Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 36. As always, any questions that you want answered, whether it's uh, swimming, biking, running, general training, strength and conditioning, nutrition, race strategy and execution, etc., send them to michael at scientifictriathlon.com or through the Facebook Messenger widget on scientifictriathlon.com. Before we get into today's questions, a big thanks to our sponsors. First, we have Precision Hydration, and with summer finally being here, the racing season is heating up in the Northern Hemisphere, and I hope that you have a pacing strategy for your races and a nutrition strategy, and do you also have a hydration strategy? If not, no need to worry. Precision Hydration can help you with that. And it takes just a few minutes. Go to precisionhydration.com and take their quiz, which will result in a free individual hydration strategy that you can use in training and racing. Use the promo code Show, all one word, all caps, to get your first box or tube of Precision Hydration for free. And thank you to Roka. Roka is the brand that redefines the standard in wetsuits, trisuits, eyewear, and several other triathlon and endurance sports categories and product lines. They're trusted by professional athletes such as Mario Mola, Javier Gomez, Jesse Thomas, Flora Duffy, Lucy Charles, Katie Zafiris, Ashley Gentle, and many more. This is really the who's who of triathlon and for a very good reason. Roka has an unrelenting approach to raising the bar in each product category that they enter and not just match, but significantly outmatch the existing competition or else they don't even bother. So they really put a lot of effort into research and development, testing, really crazy testing protocols to make sure that they're the best and really redefining the standard. You can get 20% off your entire order on roka.com with the promo code TTS, all caps. So today's first question is from Alex in the United Kingdom who writes, what is the range of percentage of FTP that I should aim to hold for my half and full Ironman races? And is that the best way to approach the race? So first of all, I don't think that that's the best way to approach the race. No, I prefer not to use percentage of FTP as a pacing guideline for races. Instead, I prefer to use workouts, race simulations, if you will, to tell you what you can potentially do on race day. And the reason for this is that with these workouts, what you can actually do in training, in a heavy block of training, for example, on a Saturday after you've had your two weeks into heavy block of training, if, if you can hold this sor- certain power for the duration of the intervals with the recovery interval specified, then you are likely to be able to hold that for a full half Ironman that is sort of the, the the theory or the I guess the the principle behind this approach and I found that this works way better usually than percentage of FTP because especially because I don't really like to test FTP too close to the race there really isn't a lot of good opportunities to even test your FTP close to the race so you don't really know what your FTP even is on race day so uh, so I don't really like that approach too much although it it does have value and it does work to an extent but what i prefer to do for the half ironman for example is to do a workout that is four times 20 minutes as perceived half ironman effort and five minutes easy spin recoveries in between those intervals and uh, the idea here is that you should not it should not be like a 
time trial necessarily you should feel after the last one that you you could have kept going you you could you didn't need to stop necessarily that you were counting down the seconds you 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 should feel that you have a little bit left in the tank although of course you will be tired but if you could do that workout and also you didn't start at a certain power and then the power decreased from interval to interval it was very steady or it was actually progressively increasing from interval to interval then that shows that that sort of power that you held that that is probably doable and achievable as well for a half ironman assuming that you do this in a fairly heavy block of training and then that you taper for your half distance race so that's my favorite way for the half ironman distance four times 20 minutes at proceed race effort and five minutes of active recovery in between on the bike and and that's basically it on the for the full distance i don't have anything that is quite as standardized i have to be honest as the four times 20 but i vary things a bit more depending on the athlete here but one example that i use for more intermediate or advanced athletes is to use a worker that is three times 60 minutes at ironman effort and 10 minutes of of active recovery in between as part of a long four and a half five hour ride that that is one example i do vary things a bit more here but you want to probably get in at least two and a half hours of work at ironman effort to be able to to be able to really tell whether that's a realistic race intensity so that is my preferred method that i that i recommend and that i use with with my most of my athletes these days but that said you can get some some insights from and from using percentage of ftp as well so but but in this case like it really does depend on how you have determined your ftp and if you actually know your realistic ftp or you use an overinflated version of your ftp and it also depends on how fast or advanced you are as an athlete so so what you've seen because i'm sure you have googled this and you've seen articles stating that for a half ironman you can hold 80 to 85 percent of ftp and for a full ironman you can hold 70 to 75 percent of ftp and i would agree that these are these are good estimates these are good ranges provided that you're actually using something that is your real ftp so close to your one hour power and not your best ever tapered 20 minute test times 95 percent, which you probably could not hold for one hour so because if your ftp is inflated like that unrealistic something that you cannot hold for close to one hour then those ranges will be too hard for you and you will you will overbike and you will fall apart on the run probably within those ranges assuming that you have your your ftp is estimated well it is realistic then the faster you are the higher you can go into those ranges uh, so faster athletes might hold 85 percent for a half ironman and and slower athletes 80 percent some athletes like the professional athletes they even go past those ranges so so the best pros they can push close to 90 percent for a half ironman and and close to 80 percent for a full ironman uh, so so it does depend on your on your speed here with the faster athletes being able to hold a higher percentage of ftp it also depends a bit on the course that you're racing if you look at normalized power rather than average power as a percentage of ftp then your normalized power percentage can go quite easily to the high end or even above those ranges without it meaning that you have overbiked of course you don't want to have too variable an output but on on undulating courses or hilly courses then you need to work the course as well it's not going to be the same power it's it's going to be variable and you just need to find the right balance of variability going harder uphill and easier downhill without going 
way too hard uphill so that you're really cooking your legs too much. Uh, but but in this case, I have a, a personal example from my, by the time of this recording, at, at least, not by the time that you hear this, but my most recent race by the time of this recording, which was a half distance race, which was very hilly. And my normalized power for that half Ironman was 88% of threshold, even though the average power was just 80% of threshold, simply because average power also becomes a lot lower than on a flat course with quite a lot of coasting and just lower power pedaling on the descents on a hilly course like that. So I hope that helps. Uh, the second question that Alex has is, what power would you say I would need to average or the half Ironman if I wanted to finish near the front of a medium-sized local race? So this is difficult to say. Uh, first, if it's not a flat course, then watts per kilogram will matter a lot. So don't look just at power. If it is pancake flat, then sure, you might get away with a lower watts per kilogram if your absolute power is good enough and your aerodynamics is good enough. But in terms of watts per kilogram, which I think you should consider, even if it's a flat race, you should consider it, even though the importance becomes less than on a hilly course. I would say, uh, again, these are estimates. I don't race in the UK. I have a couple of athletes that race in the UK, so I know... I know that scene from from them a little bit, but it's not the same as actually being there and racing there myself. I would say that to finish near the front of a medium-sized race, so let's say having one of the 10 fastest bike splits, you'd want to have at least 3.5 watts per kilogram. But that's perhaps a bit of a positive estimate because the UK is very competitive. So maybe if you want to be sure that you're competitive, then maybe you want to shoot for getting closer to 3.8 watts per kilogram for a half Ironman race. So for example, if your weight is 75 kilograms, to be in that 3.5 to 3.8 watts per kilogram range, that would mean averaging 245 to 266 watts. For females, I want to bring this up as well, even though it doesn't matter for you, but it matters for the female listeners. I don't coach any females in the UK. I coach a couple of males. So I know more about the male side of things, but I would estimate, although this estimate is even more of an estimate than, than on the male side of things, but I would estimate 2.8 to 3.1 watts per kilogram, perhaps. That, that's starting to become pretty close to the front of, of the female field in a medium-sized race. And again, there is definitely a lot less data behind those numbers. So see them as guidelines, not definitive. But for example, a 60 kilogram woman, that would mean racing at between 168 to 186 watts for a half Ironman race. And I should add one more thing, by the way, I assume pretty decent aerodynamics here, because even if you have good watts and a good watt per kg, you can lose the bike on suboptimal aerodynamics easily. It is very important, but uh, that's a topic for another day, perhaps. Alex has one final question, which is, if my FTP is currently 240 watts, given what you mentioned in the previous points, do I stand a chance to finish near the top? So, yes, you do, if it's a hilly course and your weight is 58 kilograms. So, uh, so sorry about that answer. Uh, but uh, to give you the math behind that, if you race at 85% of FTP, that would be 204 watts. And assuming that your weight weight is 58 kilograms, that will give you that 3.5 watts per kilogram that I mentioned as being a positive estimate of what you need to hold to be competitive, to be in that those top 10 bike splits. 
And again, 3.5, it might actually be a bit too optimistic from, from, for, for an estimate for being close to the top. If you're not quite at 58 kilograms, then you have some work to do on your power or your weight, but, but probably I would assume more so on your power at 240 watts. So uh, that's, uh, that's my take on it. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for your question, Alex, and uh, good luck. Keep working at it and you will improve slowly but surely. It's, uh, endurance sports is a game of patience. That It's simple as that. You just need to keep ticking away. It's not going to happen quickly, but it's going to happen if you keep training smart. The next question today is from Ben who writes, uh, Hi Michael, quick question regarding monitoring heart rate. What are your thoughts on monitoring heart rate whilst training? For example, would you look at the total average heart rate of the session or the average heart rate for a given lap of a particular interval? Or would you have heart rate displaying as it happens, so get immediate feedback? From my own experience, I find I can get into a better rhythm monitoring average heart rate or lap heart rate compared to the immediate heart rate. However, I am aware that by just looking at my average or lap heart rate, this will conceal periods when I may be working harder than expected, for instance, on hills. All right, Ben, thanks for your question. I My take on this is that when you are actually in training, definitely look at the instantaneous heart rate. So what is your heart rate right now? Whatever the type of workout that you're doing, whether it's a steady, continuous effort or if it's an, an interval-based workout, uh, if your objective is to do that workout based on heart rate, the thing that you want to make sure that you achieve is to spend spend as much time as possible in a certain heart rate range or zone and it then it doesn't matter what the average heart rate is for a workout or even for a lap uh, because uh, that that really becomes irrelevant if you spend very little time in the actual range that you're trying to spend time at your average lap or average overall workout heart rate may be perfectly in range but your time in zone might be very low compared to what you want to achieve so to give an example, I generally prefer to prescribe zone one and zone two, so recovery or easy runs or rides based on heart rate rather than pace or power. And quite often I see that an athlete's average heart rate for that workout is well within the prescribed heart rate range. But actually when I go and look at the heart rate chart and what actually happens in that workout is that the early part of that workout, the heart rate is low, but it is steadily increasing through the workout. And at some point it passes that point uh, that heart rate number which eventually becomes the average heart rate but it keeps increasing past it and goes into zone three into that moderate intensity zone where it maybe stabilizes somewhere but it stabilizes at too high a level and stays there for the remainder of the workout and this is of course not a well executed workout because it was performed at too high an intensity and without looking at the instantaneous heart rate you would have no way of knowing that if you look at the average heart rate for the workout it will still show even at the very end of the workout, that you are in the right range for that workout. But but the, the total time in zone would be much, much lower. It would be incorrect. You would spend maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes in the right zone that I wanted you to spend time at, and then 30 minutes, if it's a 45-minute run, for example, in, in a zone that I did not want you to spend time at at all. So for more information about this, definitely check out uh, the information I have in my interview with Steven Seiler, episode 177, which I'll link to in the episode description. But those, that's uh, an example for, for easy workouts, but even for workouts like tempo runs or, or rides or threshold runs or rides, maybe interval-based 
such workouts when when we do tend to use pace or power alongside or maybe as primary metrics i prefer that actually compared to heart rate uh, so i use pace or power as the primary metric in threshold intervals but still still monitor heart rate then what i would do is let's say i have a workout of five times eight minutes at threshold intensity what i want to see is that so i'm, I'm trying to hit a certain pace or i am running at a certain pace but i want to see that what my heart rate does whether it stabilizes within an acceptable range at some point within that interval. Uh, so maybe it, it slowly creeps up the first five minutes of the interval, but then it stabilizes around uh, my threshold and, and it stays there for the remainder of that interval. It doesn't keep increasing throughout that eight-minute interval. And, and that's the, the main thing that I'm looking for there. Because if it keeps increasing, then I I would probably assume or I, I would my conclusion would be that it's not the right intensity it's maybe a bit too hard maybe i'm overestimating what my run threshold actually is if this is a run workout and maybe i should be running slower maybe i would instead increase the duration to get more time at threshold to keep pushing that threshold up and get to that pace where i want it to be where it isn't right now because my heart rate keeps increasing through that through that interval so again this is a situation where you might be using lap heart rate at the moment, but the lap average will be, low, will be lower than your threshold heart rate probably, or it will be around that threshold heart rate, even if your instantaneous heart rate keeps increasing throughout that interval. So you're missing the fact that you are probably doing a too high an intensity, too high a pace for what you're, you're intending to do because you're looking at the average lap heart rate rather than the instantaneous heart rate. So, so that's why you should be looking at instantaneous heart rate and not the average lap or average workout heart rate. Of course, after the fact, when analyzing the workout, then average heart rate for the workout, especially when it comes to steady workouts, and averages for laps when it comes to interval workouts, they are very relevant and useful to look at in the analysis of a workout. But within the workout itself, it's definitely instantaneous heart rate that you should be looking at. So thank you for your question, Ben. It was a good one. And that wraps it up for questions for today. Uh, I'll link to, as I mentioned, the episode with Stephen Seiler, episode 177 on polarized training. If you want to learn more about things like training at the right intensity that we sort of touched upon here. If you want to learn more about my thoughts on training zones, actually, I recently was a guest on the Mile High Endurance podcast and we talked quite a lot about training zones and how, how to set them, how to establish them, but also how to actually execute workouts and executing a training plan from the macro level, the big picture level. Uh, so I did an interview on that topic on the Mile High Endurance podcast. That interview was released on the 25th of May. So go and check it out. It was a great chat I had with Rich, the host of, of that podcast. And Mile High Endurance is a podcast that I recommend that you follow and and see what they have in their back catalog as well. There are some great interviews on there. So check those out. I'll try to remember to add a link to this interview that I did in the episode description. But as I record this episode before that that interview is going to be released, I will need to go back and edit it. So I might forget, but yeah, I'll try to do my best to remember to add the link. But otherwise, just check out Mile High Endurance and you will, I'm sure, find it. The episode should be released on the 25th of May 2019. Anyhow, uh, thank you as well for to everybody who has been rating and reviewing the podcast recently. There have been a lot of good reviews coming in. I am really, really grateful for all of them. Really, thank you. Thank you, guys and girls. It has been really great to see them. 
I want to read one from uh, Christoph in the United States who writes, this is the first time I write a review. Exceptional podcast deserves exceptional treatment. The information is unbiased, interesting, and straight to the point. Michael answers my questions even before I have a chance to ask them. Definitely recommend the podcast. Thank you so much, Christoph, for that kind review. And if you are a long-time listener and you enjoy the podcast, please, please, please consider taking a couple of minutes to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Finally, thank you to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Use the promo code Show, all one word, all caps, to get your first box or tube for free. And take the free online sweat test to get an individual hydration strategy. And thank you to Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Get 20% off your entire order of wetsuit, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and high-performance eyewear with the promo code TTS, all one word, all caps. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.